Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. This is the interview edition, and it might be the most stacked interview edition that we have ever done. It's got to be up there because we have just a plethora of incredible guests joining us on this particular episode. We'll start with UFC President Dana White heading out to Abu Dhabi on Wednesday after the Contender Series. And it was great speaking with him, talking about really how stacked of a card UFC 267 is. I don't think people are giving it as much of its due, maybe because it's uh, it's free for ESDN Plus subscribers and they didn't want to charge for it. But I, I just think that there are so much talent on this card. And I'm not talking about just in the main and co-main event. I'm talking about from top to bottom. This is a really, really excellent card. So really looking forward to watching it. And of course, speaking to the big boss himself, UFC President Dana White. Also on the show, we have the competitors in both the main and co-main event. We have Glover Teixeira, Jan Bojovic, Piotr Jan, and Corey Sanhagen all joining this particular show. Love speaking to these guys. Such uh, smart, gifted individuals. Uh, and I'm blessed that they were able to share some of their time with me. So a uh, pleasure speaking with them. Also, Hamza Shemaev returning to action after a 13-month layoff, the longest layoff of his career. Pretty unbelievable to see the success that he had and how it was unfortunately derailed by uh, COVID-19, a subject that he's not really too eager to speak about, about his recovery, but he says that he has been uh, training hard for the last three, four months and feels like he is back to normal. So looking forward to speaking with Hamzat Shemaev, as well as two big stars from other combat sports dialects. We've got Cedric Dumbay, who is making his mixed martial arts debut on November 1st at Super Combat in Dubai. He joins me to talk about that, as well as what the future holds for him in mixed martial arts. He's uh, done with kickboxing. He says he was getting bored of it and now has moved over to mixed martial arts. So it's a pleasure speaking with Cedric Dumbay. And the quote, Clarissa Shields joins the show. She is competing on Wednesday for the PFL, the final PFL show of 2021, where all the tournaments will wrap up. And the quote, We'll get an opportunity to shine for the second time. So let's get to it. So much to talk about and so much for you to listen to. And I would appreciate if you rate and review the show. Always helps us out. But without further ado, here is UFC President Dana White. UFC 267 is on the horizon going back to Fight Island. And man, this is a stacked card. If you're not familiar with a lot of these uh, fighters on this card, you should definitely get familiar. It's headlined by Jan Blahovic and Glover Teixeira. If Glover wins the championship, Dana, this has got to be one of the greatest stories we've seen in UFC history. 42 years of age in a couple days to, to get back to title contention in a division that's been completely lorded over by John Jones for about a decade to get that title would just be something else. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, if you look at, uh, you know, there was a little rocky part of his career there. It looked like he might be done. And then he turned everything around and, and, and went on this, this winning streak. And, and now he's... Uh, you know, he's getting a title shot. I'm happy for him. He's, he's one, of the, one of the real good guys in the business. And same with the champion, Jan Blachowicz. He had lost four or five at a time, and then since then has won nine of his last ten. So, I mean, a couple of years ago, if you would have said that you'd have a 42-year-old Glover Teixeira fighting for a championship against Jan Blachowicz, it would have been completely out of the question. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you never know, man. You never know in this sport. It's, it's uh, 
soon as you think a guy's done, he, he, he comes back. And then there's guys that you think probably aren't going to get beat for years, and they do. And Glover at a time was the guy you were, you were bringing in to beat John Jones. I mean, he was about 32 when he came to the UFC. He was beating everybody in Brazil, came into the UFC, was cruising, and then met up with John Jones and didn't get it done. But uh, here he is all, this, all these years later. Well, he was talked about for a long time before coming into the UFC. You know, he, he had immigration problems and couldn't get into the country. And uh, But everybody, you know, he was a, a very hot prospect at 31 years old. You've also got Jan versus Sandhagen, kind of a weird fight because both are coming off of a loss and it's for a title, but it's one of those situations where nobody's complaining because this fight is just awesome. It's the two of the best guys in the division and uh, two guys that probably, if you look at the top four guys in the division, you got Dillashaw, you got Sterling, and you got these two, and they're pretty much equal talent. It's pretty busy up there at the top. Yeah, it's number one versus number three. When you say he's coming off a loss, he's coming off a loss versus the champion and a, and a very controversial finish. And same with Sanhagen. I think a lot of people thought Sanhagen had beaten Dillashaw on the cards. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, I agree, too. Uh, you know, another controversial loss. So, listen, anytime you got number one versus number three, and especially with the way that the Jan fight ended and Jan was dominating that fight, um, I mean, you can make it sound like that, like two guys are coming off a loss, but... <laughs> It's based on their records, but at the same time, of course, we saw how the Sterling fight went down. It was a, a very, it was an illegal knee, but a lot of controversy there. And then, of course, with Dillashaw and, and Sanhagen, just a razor-thin decision. I agree. Yeah, I mean, the top five, everybody in the top five, from Sterling to Jan, Dillashaw, Sanhagen, Font, Jose Aldo. And then number six is Marab. Seven is Cody Garbrandt. And eight is Frankie Edgar. I mean, the, the whole division is stacked with killers. Yeah, and I think at a time we're going to see some of the best matchups that we've ever seen in the division, uh, I guess this weekend and coming up after that. And if you look at this card, I don't think we've ever seen a card stacked with this much European talent uh, in the history of the UFC. It's, it's amazing how that region has come such a long way. Yeah, no, the, the whole world. I mean, the whole world has come a long way if you think about the last 20 years. I mean, now we have fighters from all over. The, think about the first time that we went to Australia. I mean, when we were trying to do things in Australia. We had Elvis Sinisek, you know what I mean? We had one guy. And uh, if, if you look at how that's exploded in just the last 10 years. And I think at a time, a lot of people thought that the talent coming from China and the talent coming from Australia were so much low, lower level than the American talent and the way that they've risen to the occasion and become champions. Like You look at Zhang Veili, of course, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky. I know Zhang's no longer the champion, but to see them rise to such high levels is pretty unbelievable. I agree. No, it's 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 uh, it, it's blown up globally uh, very quickly. If you look at the undercard here, uh, you know beneath the co-main event, you got some fighters that I think are going to fight for the championship in the next year or two. You've got um, Magomed Ankalaev, Islam Makhachev, um, Hamzat is is back. Um, I just think that what we're going to see this weekend is is really a glimpse of what we're going to see in the next year or two with the highest level talent in these divisions. Yeah, I agree. There's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of stuff shaken up in a lot of different <clears throat> weight classes over the next year. It's going to be fun. We got some fun fights coming up. Well, speaking of which, I, I love asking you this question because it's it's one of the trickier questions I ask you. You got six title fights in the next fifty days. If you could only watch one, what would it be? Hmm. I you know I've said it a million times that Usman versus Colby Covington is one of the best fights that I've ever seen. So. 
to not be excited about that one again, but then how are you not excited about Whaley Zhang and Rose again? Francis and, and, and uh, Cyril, uh, you know, stuff. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick Usman versus Covington. Now, for me, it's Oliveira Poirier. I just, I've loved watching what Charles Oliveira has become in the UFC. It's, I mean, it's similar to Glover. It's just a guy that really, uh, and Jan, I guess, guys that just really had to hang in there and, and keep their confidence up and get to a, a title level. And to see Oliveira do that, I just think has been un- unbelievable. Plus, what Poirier's done this year, if he wins that fight, I think he's the undisputed uh, fighter of the year. Love it. So, um, as of November 8th, uh, you guys sent out a memo to your, uh, the, the different fighters in the UFC that there's going to be legislation put through that they can't cross over uh, to the U.S. unless they're fully vaccinated. Now, I saw an interview with Jermaine Durandame recently where she says she's not going to get vaccinated even if it means she can't fight. Do you think this is going to be an issue uh, going forward as of November for, for fighters that are going to try to compete uh, in the UFC? Are they only going to be able to compete outside the UFC? It doesn't mean she can't fight. It doesn't mean she can't fight. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. We were just giving everybody a heads up so that they knew this was coming, you know. Um, in no way, shape, or form are we going to force anybody to be vaccinated. So does that mean having a lot more cards outside of the U.S. at the beginning of next year or, or as the year progresses in 2022? I don't know what it means yet. I don't, I don't, I don't know how any of this stuff is going to play out. I'm you waiting for all this silliness to go away. Well, you have mentioned that Abu Dhabi is going to be a big player in that uh, going forward. You're going there this week, and you have some big plans. Are you expecting to do seven, eight events with them per year sort of thing? Like, is this going to be a really big destination uh, going forward on top of what it's been during the COVID era? Abu Dhabi has been one of the biggest players for the last 20 years. I mean, I, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, hopefully when I go there, I'm going there uh, Wednesday. I have a couple of meetings, and I'm hoping to get this thing locked locked in and get this deal done. And uh, we have some really big, exciting stuff going on in Abu Dhabi. I've been dying to tell you guys, but we haven't uh, we haven't we haven't got it done yet. Is this a deal that's kind of been permeating all year? Uh, yeah, this this has been going on since we started uh, Fight Island. In terms of the start of 2022, a lot more states are opening up. You're seeing full attendance at football games, basketball games, hockey games uh, all over the country. Are fight nights going to start being in different locales at the very beginning of 2022? Or is there something that you guys are planning on easing into as time goes on? Easing into. I have no confidence in some of these states. I don't have confidence in some of these states. You know, um, I'm very confident in Abu Dhabi, (laughs) Florida, Texas, Nevada, Arizona. I'm very confident. Um, going into California, we're going to give Anaheim a shot. And then we'll see how, how it all starts to play out over the next year. So at the beginning of January, we're going to still continue to see fights at the Apex going forward until further notice sort of thing? I hope not. But yeah. If that's this, what we got to This past week was an interesting one with Paulo Costa and, uh, and what happened with him. Um, had he had a poor performance and fallen flat, is there a chance you would have cut him because of all of the hijinks from last week? I don't know. It wasn't a poor performance. It was awesome. The fight was incredible. <laughs> he obviously was in shape. Um, he came to win. So I don't, I don't know. I couldn't answer that question. It wasn't a, it wasn't a crappy fight. It was an awesome fight. So. 
Oh, I can't disagree with that. That fight was fantastic. I actually think it raises his stock if he goes to light heavyweight. I don't know he's talking about staying at middleweight, but if you look at the light heavyweight division, he can move up that chain really quickly. We've already seen him fight Israel. It was a very poor performance. If he wants to continue to not have to cut so much weight, I don't understand what the barrier of entry is for him is mentally to go to light heavyweight. It just seems like a better fit for him. I just think he feels like, you know, obviously uh, he has a hard time making 85, but he's a small light heavyweight. Light heavyweights are huge. So I'm sure that's what his uh, what he's worried about. If you look at the fights that you could have for him, though, you look at, like, Johnny Walker, uh, Uzdemir. Like, there are just so many matchups that would, would fit him better, I think. I think his style of fighting is better for light heavyweight as well. Yeah, there's definitely fun fights you can make with the guy. He's got a, he's got a good chin, and he's got heavy hands. So it makes it fun. I think he's just worried about being too small for that division. Did you end up having a chat with him at any point in time after the fight to, to pick his brain on what he's thinking? No, we did not. And finally, Nate Diaz, you were talking about uh, after this last fight. He's got one fight left on his contract. Um, how important is it for the UFC to keep him long-term? Uh, he's become a big star in, in the promotion. Um, when you look at his future, do you see it being in the UFC for the next couple of years to come? Well, that's up to him. I mean, that, that's a decision he needs to make. Listen, for a lot of these guys... There's no secret about it. If you believe that you are one of the best in the world and you believe that you can win a world title here or hang with the top five, then this is where you should be. The minute you start doubting that that's the case, you got to start looking at other options. I I had seen that. I I saw the other day uh, that. um, Who was it? The heavyweight came out. Huh? No. We were just talking about it. He was saying that he was upset with me. No. The other heavyweight. (laughs) Is he in the UFC? Yeah. Oh, Junior Dos Santos. Mm -hmm. Okay? So Junior Dos Santos said some stuff the other day that, you know, uh, that he was upset and I was all about money and all this other, and the way that he left. Listen, how old is he? I I mean, he's in his 40s now. He was on a four or five fight losing streak. And, you know, they're just this, this, there comes a time and a day where I have to make a decision when a guy keeps losing and he's at a certain age. This just isn't the place to be anymore. There's tons of other places where you can go fight and where you can make a lot of money. I mean, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, once they've built and established their name here, move on to these other promotions and make crazy money. Um, and good for them. And, you know, that's just how it works. So I don't know, as far as Nate Diaz goes, I don't know where Nate feels he is right now and, and, and what he feels his future could be if he signed another four or five fight deal here. Now, Kayla Harrison, she's in the finals of the uh, PFL tournament on Wednesday. It's her last fight on her contract there. And uh, she had a quote when, I guess you had mentioned uh, in one of our interviews, actually, that you didn't feel like she was ready yet for the UFC. And when I, when I asked her about this, she said, uh, I think that if Dana is ready to pay me a lot of money, I'll make him a lot of money. She said that in another interview. I figure you'd like a quote like that. What do you think of Kayla? And uh, are you going to be watching her fight this Wednesday? Yeah, I think that Kayla Harrison's a great example. They pay her an obscene amount of money to fight over there. If I was her, I'd stay right where she is and keep picking off the people over here. When you come here, <laughs> you know, Amanda Nunes is no joke. Shevchenko is no joke. Rose Namajunas is no, these are all the best women in the world. These are the best female fighters in the world. 
you know, I would, I don't blame her. I would stay there and keep fighting the type of women she's fighting there before I would come here and fight in Amanda Nunes. That's for damn sure. And finally, it's time for my favorite question, which I'm sure you uh, know what it is. As, as you are, you look around your, the room that you're in, the war room, I always ask you, can you pluck something off the wall for me? We've got February, you know, I don't know if March is, uh, is on the horizon right now in terms of what you guys are booking, but I always like uh, asking you for, for uh, a sample of what's to come that might not have been announced as of yet that, that is in the works. Right now we got... <clears throat> We got February 12th, Adesanya versus Whitaker. And it's scheduled for either Canada or Seattle. Canada, okay. Well, can you give me a hint as to where? We got full arenas here now in Canada. It says Canada. <laughs> well, you know Canada's bigger than the United States in landmass day now. You know, I'm, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to get, get something going here. It would depend. You know, and th those are just, those are placeholders saying these are two options that we could do if the world becomes, you know, normal again. Well, I know the last uh, time you guys were going to go to Seattle, I believe it got canceled for some reason or moved for some reason. So if it ends up in Seattle, that's a great city as well. Well, thanks, Dana. I appreciate your time uh, and look forward to seeing you next week in New York. All right. Thanks. Have a good day. Well, even though my great-grandfather was born in Poland, I did not get blessed with legendary Polish power like the light heavyweight champion of the world, Jan Bojovic, taking on Glover Teixeira this weekend. It's pretty cool to see Glover get another opportunity at a title shot in his late age. I imagine that's something that you strive for uh, in a couple of years from now. Yes. Uh, he got his you know, second chance. Uh, he proved that he deserves for that. And we've got this fight, so I cannot wait, you know, for Saturday. Let's go and let's do it. But, you know, after fight, we're going to hear and steal. Well, I know that uh, Glover has been working uh, very hard to get this title shot. Uh, how do you peg Glover's chances against you? Do you, do you think that we're going to see the best version of Glover to share, or do you think that he's a step behind what he used to be? No, I believe that he's going to be the best shape ever because I think that it could be his last chance for uh, for title shot. One of the last fights in his career because, you know, the age is something you can, you can stop it, so... He's going to do everything to get this belt, and I have to be ready for everything. So he's going to be the best version of himself. But then that don't, don't change anything, because also I am the best version of myself. And I will defend the belt, the belt. Now you're going back to Abu Dhabi, where you first won, won the belt. Does this hold a special place in your heart, uh, this venue? Yeah, it's a lucky place for me. You know? uh, I like to be here. Uh, easy fly. Uh, no jet lag because just two hours different be between you know the time zone in in my country and here. So I like to fight here. I like to be here. Weather is good. I cannot wait. You know, it's, and like I said, it's lucky place for me. So uh, I I believe it will stay lucky for me to the uh, in Saturday. Well, you believe in good luck. You believe in superstition. You you carry your bracelet around with you where you go. What are some things that are bad luck in in uh, in terms of superstition for for people from Poland? Is there anything that if you saw it during fight week it would freak you out? Um, no, I don't. I don't put uh, bad uh, things in my head. You know, before fight, if uh, if I think about something, uh, if, if something in my head, I just you know take it away. <laughs> you know, I know how to do it. I just throw away the bad. Bad feelings, bad uh, thinking in my head. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I. You have to train also stuff like this. You know, you, you have to do some mental training because when you start thinking about uh, weird things, 
you can, you know, be bad in the fight. So I know how to stop it. I know how to think only positive way. And I'm ready mentally also. We should talk to Corey Sandhagen when you get down there. He's in the co-main event. He talks about something called catching your doubts. So when you have a doubt, you catch it. You hang on to it for a little bit. You try to understand it and then you get rid of it. Is that, is that what you do when you uh, have a doubt that creeps into your mind? Exactly. Something like this, you know. Uh, but in my, 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 my special way, and it's hard to say it, but uh, in my special way. Now, there was a time where you had lost four of, of five fights. That was when you were having a period of bad luck. But since then, you've gone on to win nine of your last ten uh, fights. What was the key to that turnaround? Was there a specific thing that you can pinpoint as to why you were able to kind of have a, a change in traje trajectory in your career? Yes. First of all, I have to find out what goes wrong. Why I'm bad, you know? I always, uh, I always was in good shape. I always train hard, uh, feel good, and I stop it. And I have to find answer why. And I found, found it, you know? This also was hard job. That was something what I had to do in my head, you know? Connect the dots, what goes wrong, and why it goes wrong. And I just, you know, uh, find, found it. Uh, I come back to my old coach. I come back to the roots. I start doing that. What do I do before I start losing, you know? And now I'm the champion. So <laughs> that was the correct way for me. Uh, and that's it, you know? And I think that I find, finally I, I, I just know my body. I know what my body needs, when to rest, uh, when to push it harder, you know? When say to, to coach, coach, sorry, I'm, I'm too tired. I will not come to training today. But the next day, coach, today I feel great. Let's do let's train more harder, you know. And I find good people around me, you know. They understand me. They talk to me. They, we know each other really, 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 really well. And I think this is the reason, you know. Why do you think that coming home was so important? You've talked about this a lot in interviews, about how going back to your old coach and going back to your old uh, training facility was so important to you uh, returning to your form. You took yourself out of your comfort zone to get better as a mixed martial artist and then just ended up coming back. You know, because when I signed contract with UFC, I changed gym, I changed city, I changed my life completely, you know. And that was such a mistake. My preparation, my career... I think that now when I'm in UFC, I need to train harder, better with, you know, different uh, uh, party partners. And that was just, you know, bad, bad idea for me. Uh, but I come back to my older coach in the perfect moment <laughs> and he saved me for, you know, for kicking from UFC, you know. And we start doing exactly the same what we do, do before we go to the UFC. And that was the reason, you know, but I need to, you know, uh, I just need to find the answer why, and, but I found it, you know, and that was the most important thing. Now, we watched the UFC countdown where we introduced to your son, uh, Jan Bojovic Jr., and he looks like Jan Bojovic Jr. He's a big boy. He's built, built like his dad. Uh, tell me about yeah. fatherhood and what it's been like for you uh, the last 10 months. It's crazy. That was crazy 10 months, but uh, really nice, you know. He changed my life completely, but he's big motivation for me. Uh, I'm just happy, you know, when I come back to home and I see his smiley face. Of course, they are, you know, hard moments. I don't know if you are a dad or not. Uh, but they are hard moments. But after everything, when you see he's smiling, uh, you forget about everything and just you are just happy, you know. So, yeah. Uh, but I got my fiance, Dorota. She's also my, my manager. And she helps me a lot. Uh, when I start training my training camp, so she take care of our son. She do everything with him because I need to focus about the fight, about the job. I need to go to sleep, rest, you know, because sleep is the most important thing in recovery. Uh, 
So I have to say thank to her because without her, I will be not champion. She also uh, works as your manager, which is great. I mean, I may look like a young guy, Jan, but I'm actually a year older than you and have three kids. So I know about sleepless nights and I know about my wife having to handle the children when I'm on the road covering this great sport. Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about, sure. <laughs> but you got three, I got just one. <laughs> so <laughs> so you, are, you, are, you are tougher than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering, has your son started to show any signs of uh, having, uh, you know, early signs of having legendary Polish power? Is he, has he broken anything yet? Anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> he just throw everything what he got. But he's strong. I think when, uh, when, when he, when he grabs you, you feel his, uh, that he is strong. <laughs> so maybe he's going to... Uh, for sure, he's gonna have the legend of a Polish father. Now you've become a champion, but uh, you also are now a father, and you, you've been given a new kind of purpose in your career to uh, to provide for your son. I know you're moving to a bigger house soon, but uh, do you feel more or less pressure now? Now that you're the champion and you, you've gotten to the promised land, is there more pressure for you to defend the title than there was for you to get to becoming a champion, or do you feel like there was more pressure earlier in your career, and it's a little bit easier for you now that you don't have to worry about that pressure? No, no, no. The pressure is good for me. I like this pressure. I, I want to feel this pressure because a couple of uh, fights, fights ago when I don't feel this pressure, I lose this fight, you know? Because then you, I, I don't know why, but I just go to the fight and, okay, doesn't matter. I don't feel anything. And it was bad for me. If I feel the pressure, then it's okay, it's good. So everything is like should to be. But I know how to change this pressure for the fuel, you know? Uh, the pressure will block me, but the, this pressure give me power, you know? And I feel the pressure every time uh, the same. When I was a champion and when I become a champion, then I did it like that. I don't know how you closely you were following Fight Week last week, but it looks like you now have a new uh, competitor in the light heavyweight division in Paulo Costa. I was wondering what you thought about everything that went down last week. Yeah, you know, now, right now I focus about my, my, my fight, about Glover. Uh, but I see that he, he they fight in 205. <laughs> no, I don't know what happened there, uh, but uh, he's a great fighter, one of the best, and he do something like this. Doesn't look good, you know, it's not like a pro. Uh, but this is not a question for me. Uh, Vittori agreed for this fight, won this fight, so it's better for him, you know. <laughs> and I'm happy for Vittori. I don't know why, why, why he don't want to cut it. So you're not going to show up in Abu Dhabi and say the light heavyweight division is now 225 pounds and I'm the champion of that division. Nothing, nothing like that's going to happen in Abu Dhabi. Uh, no, I'm going to do my 205. <laughs> uh, correct, like you know, pro. <laughs> and I'm going to be a steel. Are there are a lot of good fighters. <laughs> there are a lot of good fighters coming up in 205 now. You've got uh, Magomed Ankalaev is on the same card. Um, of course, like I mentioned, Costa is now in the division. Uh, Yuri Prokhazhka is going to be a backup for uh, the title fight. Uh, what, what do you see for, in your future? What, what do you think your roadmap is going to be for the next couple of years for you in terms of who you think challengers will, will be for the title and whether or not you decide to move up to maybe heavyweight in the future if you decide you no longer want to cut those pounds? I don't know. We will see what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. Yuri Prohaska is a backup fighter, so maybe after this fight he will gonna be my, my next opponent, but still it's Rakic, it's Akalaev, so maybe, you know, they do some fights and everything changed. But I'm happy because uh, they motivate me to go to the gym, to, to train hard, you know, because I feel the, you know, I feel them on, on my back, you know, young fighters want to take my back, I just cannot give it to them. So it's good, uh, the vision is great, it's strong, 
like never before, and I'm, I'm just happy. Uh, and you say about heavyweight, I think I will defend the belt three, four times, and then I will try my skill in, in, in heavyweight. All right, well, we look forward to that. I think that's going to be a big deal if you do move up to the heavyweight division, try to become a two-division champion. Well, Jan, we uh, always appreciate your time. Congratulations on, uh, on getting to spend a lot of time with your son and uh, returning back to the place where you won the title in the first place in Abu Dhabi this weekend against Glover Teixeira. Appreciate you. Look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me to talk with you. Thank you one more time. I'm pleased to be joined by perhaps the future light heavyweight champion of the world. He's Glover Teixeira. Heading over to Fight Island to face Jan Blahovic. How's training changed for you, Glover? From the last time you fought for the title to this time, do you do, you do less sparring in the gym? Uh, spend less time in the gym? I'd love to hear what the difference is. Um, I, I, I do spend uh, less time in the gym. I, um, I do preparation different. You know, I do like um, hard conditioning and hard like a pre-camp preparation. Like, uh, I start like about 12 weeks before the fight. I do the pre-camp preparation and six weeks pre- pre- before the fight. That's when I start with, uh, sparring and, and a lot of grappling, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff. So I don't have to do too much condition anymore. So it don't kill my body so much, but I still doing, we still doing going hard sparring, hard grappling. Do you feel like training with Alex Pereira now, who's now come to Connecticut to train with you, you're equipped to deal with any sort of striker on the planet having to deal with Alex every day? Yeah, man, the guy is, uh, is very helpful. You know, he's smart. He's, uh, he's a very good training partner. And uh, it's amazing to have a guy like that in my, uh, in my camp, you know. It's, uh, it's a big plus to have Alex here. Is he coming with you to Abu Dhabi? Because I know he's fighting the next week uh, in his UFC debut in New York. Yeah, yeah, no, he can't. You know, he's uh, he's fighting November six. He's gonna stay here and, and finish up uh, the preparation. We we got a couple guys. They're gonna stay here with him, and uh, he's ready to go, man. Uh, he's he's not going. Yeah, it'd be crazy if he's go. You know. And what about you? Are you going to New York afterwards to bring the uh, the Glover to share a victory parade is coming back to America and you'll you'll join him in the corner? Yes, yes, I'll be there. You know, it, it would be he would go otherwise. You know, if he was uh, my fight was after his, but uh, definitely, um, yeah, I'll be there for him. Yeah. Who's going to be in your corner for UFC 267? Ah, uh, Feliz, John Hackama, uh, Jen Nando. Those are the three guys that always go, and um, we got one more, Ali Feliz. That's the kid, um, 18 years old boxer. The you know, helped me up so much for, for this fight. His style, um, you know, kind of similar to Jan Blavich, So I'm bringing him to finish up the preparation in there because we're leaving tomorrow. Now, I know I'm, I'm an older guy myself, so I, I don't think of myself as an older guy. I'm sure you don't think of yourself as an older guy, but you are fighting for the title. But not mm-hmm. only that, you're the only guy born in the 1970s who's actually ranked in the UFC. So what does it mean to you to have this opportunity so late in your career to be able to go for a title, which so few people are able to accomplish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're good. You're good with that, huh? The only guy in the 1970s. Well, how old are you? You don't look that old, man. I'm, good. I'm almost 40. Good. I'm almost 40, but I appreciate it. You, oh, so you're from the 80s. You're from the 80s, huh? Yeah. yeah. And I'm also not ranked, no, so I mean, you I, have me there, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I, uh, I know, man, I feel it's like I think it was a lifestyle and uh, preparation, a hardcore training, and, 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 you know, I have to say a little luck, too, because I don't have much injury, you know, in my whole career, I only have one surgery, it was my hand surgery uh, against Gustafsson, uh, you know, but like... Um, yeah, man, you know, I think, um, and know how to train, you know, like I I did a speech today in the gym, like talking about in my last training, how you got to be smart and let your ego go. So a lot of times people want to get so much ego and want to go so hard and want to, they want to win in the gym no matter what. And I do too. I want to win my training. I want to train good. I want to make, I want to feel good. I want to make sure I'm good. I'm prepared for the fight. But it comes to a situation that uh, I give up position so I don't get injury, you know what I mean? So I guess uh, being smart, smart training, get the right partners and, uh, you know, train, take care of yourself, stuff like that. Man. So there was a time probably where you would have fought injured or at least sparred injured and, and things like that or, or done sparring when you knew you probably shouldn't have. Now it's just about being smart about it and knowing when it's a good time to do it and when it's not. And, and I'm sure you've learned that over your career. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a time that, uh, you know, it comes like because you train your body so much and the last, you, you, you want to do the last stretch of the fight, like the last three weeks of the fight, you want to like, oh my God, it's three weeks left and I feel good, but like, let me push it, push it so I can have that last week to cut weight. So you push it, but then you push it too much and you over, you overload yourself with too much training. And that's like uh, when you start getting injuries. Uh, and me, I, like me, I didn't have a big injuries there. I, I got pulled out of the fight a couple of times. I think a couple of times I pulled out of the fight because, uh, uh, an injury that I couldn't fight, but uh, a lot of fights I, I go in with, you know, minor injury that, you know, bring down, uh, I don't know, 10, 15% of my, you know, potential. Is there a chance that this is your last time fighting in the UFC? If you win the championship, it's very rare that fighters are able to retire as champion. Is that something that's crossed your mind? No, not really, man. I, uh, I feel good. I, uh, I want to keep doing this, you know. When I keep training, when I keep fighting, I uh, I love this, man. I, I don't feel like you say. I don't feel like uh, 42. I don't feel like uh, I don't even think about the age, man. People, you know, uh, it's kind of good because people give me credit for that. But I just feel like, hey, man, I, I, because I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better lately. Uh, you talk about like two, three years, four years ago, five years ago, for that matter. I'm feeling better. Now, because I'm training smarter, I'm doing recovery, I'm doing all these things, you know. And, uh, yeah, I don't think about this stuff right now. Not now. I'm still kicking ass in the gym. I'm still kicking ass in the octagon. I'm not, I'm not planning and retired. Well, I spoke to the, the last guy that you lost the fight to. It was more than three years ago. It was Corey Anderson. I spoke to him today. And we were talking about how he fights with such a freedom now. He feels like he's free when he's fighting. And that that's really helped him uh, get success. Do you feel the same way? I mean, you're, you're kind of playing with house money at this point in time. And, and I imagine that you're fighting with a lot less pressure on your shoulders. No. Oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. You want to... It's too much uh, what we want, you know? Like, oh, you want this, you want that, you want to... Like, for example, when I think when I fought John Jones, this is my thing. I want this, I want that. And you put in pressure and... The, 
and the money wasn't that I was making much money and uh, now you have more resource you're right you know he's right about it you know you just gotta you get that freedom of uh, like I live simple I'm you know no matter how much money you make if you don't live simple if you uh, be stupid you're gonna spend all your money ask Mike Tyson there you know <laughs> but like uh, uh, of course he's doing good now but you know when he was young he's making all that money he spent it all but I, what I'm saying is like live simple uh, making good money and uh, yeah free like no no pressure now you've told, spoken about in interviews about how you like to have a nice drink every now and then on the weekends or at night when was the last time you had a drink because now you're taking the fight camp very seriously and you want to stay away from that right now man I uh, last night <laughs> Last night I have uh, I, I always like uh, listen I haven't I haven't have a shot of whiskey or anything for after I fought Thiago Marreta, all right? I uh, I fought Thiago Marreta and I have one night that I celebrate. We drink a bottle of whiskey with my friends and that I that was done. I say I don't drink anymore until I be a champion again. You know, and uh, but I, I drink um, every now and then at night. I drink a little glass of wine, but a very like I say, man, one or two glass of wine. That's it for the whole like for whole year. I've been a year. It's gonna be a, almost a year now that I fought um, Thiago Marreta, and uh, yeah, no drink, no not. I, I have a beer here and there, or, or a little wine, but um, no. And got drunk into. I only got drunk one time between that fight. You know. So when you beat Jan Bojovich, if you could have any bottle of anything, what are you getting to celebrate? You can just just pick one. Yeah, I don't know, man. When I beat Jan Bojovich. You can bring me the worst rum, uh, rum in the world, whatever. I'll drink that thing. It's gonna be great, you know. It's about the the quality of the the, the place and everything, you know. I like a good uh, good good old whiskey, you know. Hopefully, uh, I get to drink it and enjoy it with my belt. So you don't have a specific uh, kind you like. You, you you can only choose. You can choose any that you want in the world. You have no. There's nothing that's your favorite. I like uh, McKellen, McKellen uh, whiskey. I like that one. Uh, that, was, that was my one of my favorite. Oh, um, uh, Jameson, James the old, you know, old Jameson. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, hopefully you can hit the duty-free shop on the way back to uh, to Connecticut uh, and, and get the, uh, the the drink of choice that you you will have earned after beating Jan Blahovich. Um, so, uh, believe, believe me, man. I, 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 with my friends, I don't need to to hit any duty-free shop. I, they they be waiting for me over here. They be waiting for me over here. All right. Well, corks will be popping. It's yourself. It's Jan Blahovich. It's the uh, championship fight. For the light heavyweight title, UFC 267 in Abu Dhabi. It's always a pleasure speaking with you, Glover, and uh, look forward to watching you uh, do your thing against Jan. Thank you. Oof. I'm pleased to be joined now by No Mercy Piotr Jan. He's in the main or the co-main event rather against Corey Sanhagen for the interim bantamweight championship. Uh, tell me about your thoughts on Corey. Uh, Corey believes that you two are the the two best bantamweights in the UFC. Do you agree with that? Corey is well-deserved opponent, you know, and since Dillashaw is injured, he got a, another chance to fight for the belt. I looked at uh, the schedule for Corey Sanhagen that he's had since June of last year, 510 days. Yourself, Marlon Moraes, 
Frankie Edgar, TJ Dillashaw, and Aljamain Sterling. How much do you admire somebody that's able to have such a difficult strength of schedule and stay in the championship mix? Yeah, of course, he's a strong opponent who beat a lot of tough fighters in this division, and that's why he's in this position to fight me for the belt. What do you believe that he's best at? If you were to say the best thing about Corey Sandhagen's fighting style or what he does best is this, what would it be? Yeah, he's, uh, he can do everything. That's what's good about him. Is that the kind of fight that you like? Is it more of a challenge for you? Yeah, I just understand and realize it's going to be very hard, tough, and very interesting matchup. Are you the type of person that just tries to be the best Piotr Jan, or do you like to focus on your opponents and train for a specific opponent? Because getting a short-notice assignment like Corey, Corey Sanhagen, who's so diverse in his style, is a difficult thing to do. Yeah, usually I never focus on my opponents. I just try to build preparation around me. Of course, we made a few adjustments for Corey, but in the end, it doesn't matter who's standing across the octagon from me, because... So my goal is to win the belt. You have some of the best body work of anybody uh, that I've seen at Bantamweight. You're, you're great at going uh, to your opponent's body. And a, a taller opponent like Corey Sanhagen, that seems like a, something that would be key to beating him. Is that something that you're looking at as well? Yeah. Usually I don't concentrate on one thing. I usually adjust on the situation. And with Corey, it's not going to be anything different. You know, I'm going to be attacking all the levels. I saw on UFC Countdown, the facility that you train at in Russia, it looks unbelievable. It's right on the beach as well. Uh, what's it like to train there? Tell me a little bit about the facility because it looks like it's not just for mixed martial arts. Yeah, it was also my first time in this camp. You know, it was a good place. We had a good training camp there and everything went smooth. What do you like to do in your spare time? We know about you as a fighter that you're, you're so good at what you do, but uh, how do you spend uh, time away from fighting? What, what kind of things do you do and what do you enjoy? Yeah, usually when I have a spare time, I like to spend it with my family, with my close friends. And I like active rest. I like extreme sports, like driving some fast cars or motorcycles. And I uh, also enjoy the nature, some nature sports. That's what I love to do. How do you rank these guys in terms of who you think is the best bantamweight outside of yourself? If you took TJ Dillashaw, Aljamain Sterling, and Corey Sanhagen and put them in order of you, who you think is the toughest opponent for you, who do you think that is? To be honest, I, I didn't even think about it because, you know, there's professionals, guys like you, who come up with the rankings. And every... Fighter is dangerous in its own way, but there is always keys to defeat each fighter. If I will spend my time thinking about them, I will, won't have enough time for training. <laughs> well, I'm not asking you to rank them in terms of who's the best in, in the division. I, I'm wondering who is the toughest matchup for you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do the Piotr Jan rankings. I just yeah. I, I look at the, the overall rankings for the UFC, but I'm not concerned about that. I'm, I'm wondering about, for you, who you think is the most difficult. Yeah, I can. I think for everyone in the division, I'm the toughest matchups. Well, I would agree with that. From what we've seen so far, uh, we haven't seen a lot of things that you don't do well. And I asked Corey about this last week when I spoke to him. I said, uh, do you think that Piotr is, 
you know, he's looked unbeatable so far in the UFC. And he said, well, I don't think Piotr's unbeatable. We've seen him make some mistakes here and there. Are there any mistakes that you feel like you've made in, in previous fights, aside, of course, from the Aljamain fight, but things that you could have done better in certain fights? Of course, I make mistakes too. I'm a human. I'm not a robot. But, you know, I always find a way to beat my opponents. And Corey is not going to be anything different. You've talked about not wanting to fight Aljamain Sterling again next. Uh, do you believe TJ Dillashaw would be next in line for you if you get a win on Saturday? Yeah, why not? You're still very young. Did you feel like when all is said and done, you're going to be considered hands down the greatest bantamweight of all time? You know, I don't have a goal to be considered the best in the division or, or the gold. Uh, you know, it's kind of weird to, to think of myself in that way. But I like to speak with my actions, so my action will tell. Well, your work does speak for itself. You've been dominant so far in the UFC. Uh, thank you to you, Piotr Jan. Thank you, Syed Abrahmanov, for uh, translating. Uh, appreciate you both. Spasiba Brat, and uh, best of luck on Saturday against Corey Sanhagen in the co-main event. Thank you, Aaron. He looks to become the interim bantamweight champion at UFC 267. He's Corey Sanhagen taking on Piotr Jan in Abu Dhabi. Have you been to Abu Dhabi? Did you, have you fought there at all during the pandemic? Yeah, I fought Marais there in Abu Dhabi. So what, what did you think of that experience in terms of going over there and then the jet lag, anything along those lines? No, I, I loved it, honestly. Uh, I thought, you know, getting on a sleep schedule was really easy as long as I do it immediately. Um, and then the hotel we stayed at was awesome. I got to fly, fly business class for the first time, which was awesome. And uh, yeah, I had nothing but good times in Abu Dhabi. Well, hopefully you get to fly business class for a second time this time around because there's nothing better. But uh, let's talk about uh, this assignment and, uh, and how it came about. Obviously, we saw that uh, Aljamain Sterling had pulled out of the fight. Um, now they, they went with you. I mean, I know Rob Font was in the mix, but uh, was having uh, complications with COVID from what I understand. And uh, TJ Dillashaw, of course, injured. Uh, how much of a relief was it when you found out that you were the one who was going to get the shot? Yeah, I was really grateful, man. Like, uh, I, I knew it kind of could have gone a million different ways. And I think uh, kind of the only other guy in my head that they would maybe ask is Rob Font. And, uh, and I'm grateful that, you know, I got to be the guy that stepped up. And, um, you know, he was having conversations with COVID. So I hope he's doing better now. Um, sometimes. The stars don't line up, and uh, they lined up for me. And uh, uh, but I know Rob Font will definitely be up there in one day. You know, it's one of those weird situations where I know both yourself and Piotr are coming off of losses, but nobody seems to be upset about this fight. Nobody seems to think that you don't deserve the fight, or that uh, of course he doesn't deserve the fight. So that must be a good sign for you because I think that the fight with TJ was so competitive, uh, really a fight of inches that I, I had scored for you, and I know a lot of others had scored for you. But again, just a very close fight. Yeah, really close fight. Um, and I, I think that this is, uh, you know, of course I believe that I'm the best still, even after, you know, losing a really close split to, to TJ. I still think that, you know, I'm better than TJ and that I did. I was able to beat him up better than he was able to beat me up, which is, uh, you know, what I focus on uh, maybe a little bit too much, not the aesthetic part. But anyways, I think uh, I think that these are, you know, we're, we're like the two best guys in the division. Um I think, uh, you know, that probably takes some stones to say, considering that I lost to Sterling and, uh, you know, I'm coming off of a really close split, like I said before. But uh, I, I really think that we're two of the most skilled guys in the division. 
And uh, I think it's, you know, it's definitely a fight that I think most people are excited about. I hope at least. Well, it's very busy at the top with uh, all of the different people that we've been talking about uh, prior to this. Now, with this particular fight with Jan, I, I imagine you probably feel like he's the toughest opponent you've fought so far in the UFC. I mean, the guy just has looked almost unstoppable in his UFC tenure. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say almost unstoppable. I, I think that he's uh, he's human just like everyone else, and he makes mistakes just like everyone else. I, I think that he's done a really good job of figuring out... Uh, how to win fights and how to be a killer. And I think that uh, that's really great for him. Uh, and, you know, I had a little bit of a longer trip to the top. I had to do a little bit more learning before I got to the top. Uh, and uh, that's been my journey, and his journey's been different. And uh, I'm really excited to see who's better. And the fight with TJ, I think, is probably a very good dress rehearsal for this fight because I think it's going to be a similar kind of pace, uh, nonstop action for five rounds if it goes that long. Uh, did you feel the same way? Yeah, I think uh, I'm definitely ready for some pressure. You know, I'm definitely ready for 25 minutes of hard work. And, uh, and, and yeah, I think that it's going to be very fast-paced fight. Now, I watched you on UFC Destined, and you uh, had talked about catching your doubts. Can you walk me through that process? Because I'm sure that a lot of people could probably learn from you doing this and learning how to do this on your own. Sure, man. I, I think that we have a lot of things running through our brain that uh, we're just not aware of. And um, that's because, we, you know, we're in a world, in a society that is just nonstop thinking and nonstop doing things. And I think that when you are able to slow down and, kind of, you know, whatever that means for you, whether that means going for a walk, whether that means meditating, whether that means writing stuff down, just spending time by yourself, I think it's a lot easier for you to just realize what's actually happening inside of your mind because sometimes it does feel like a separate organism than who we are. And I think that uh, the mind will try to tell you a bunch of crazy things just because that's the way that it's wired. It's not wired to tell you exactly what you want. It's it's wired to tell you what you should be afraid of and what you, and et cetera, et cetera. So I think just stop and pausing and making sure that you're thinking the things that you want to think is, is, is a super important skill to have. Have you used sensory deprivation tanks or anything along those lines? Uh, I haven't used one of those really. Yeah. I, I like like the YouTube visualization, anything, YouTube subconscious program, anything like that. I'm really into that. Stuff, but, uh, I haven't tried one of those deprivation tanks. I would recommend it, unless you're claustrophobic. But I would recommend... Sensory deprivation tanks are awesome. I, I haven't done one in a while, but uh, you just kind of lay there in the dark. You're, you're kind of floating, so you feel that kind of... Uh, that sense, and then it's just you and your brain. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah, seems like... A, yeah, I, I, uh, I will take you up on that advice. Okay, well, next time I check in with you, I'm going to expect to have a review of some sort. <laughs> okay, you got it. All right, yeah, bring the journal. Don't bring it into the tank with you because it'll get all wet. But afterwards, just write, write how you were feeling, right? Get those thoughts out, and then you can, you can just share that with me. And speaking of the journal, that also came up on uh, Destined, and you had written about how you were going to take center and knee Frankie Edgar. This was written before the fight. So, I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. Is that something that you visualized many times? Yeah, to be honest, you know, I, I would like to be the, you know, the macho alpha, you know, like, yeah, I knew it was going to happen type of guy, but I predicted a lot of things and been wrong about a lot of things too. So uh, it just so happened that this go around, uh, 
you know, I, I had some evidence that I, I predicted it or whatever, but um, uh, it was definitely a way that I saw it going. But I, like I said, and I've had a lot of fights now, and I think uh, I saw all of those kind of going a little bit differently sometimes too. So who knows? Who knows how the world works? So when you visualize your fight with Piotr Jan, how does it end more often than not? Um, I think that as long as I go in there, man, for 25 minutes, I work my ass off. I stay focused and I stay really skilled and I, and I stay focused on the things that I need to be doing in order to win the fight. I think that I walk away a champion. So uh, I'm not too concerned with the logistics of how I'm going to win this and that. I know the ways uh, that I need to do things in order to win, uh, but I'm more concerned with uh, you know, my actual performance and me doing those correct things versus you know telling you that I'm going to knock him out or, or, or this and that, which I know is, you know, the way that a lot of us fighter people talk. Now, with the fight with TJ, if you were to assess your performance out of 10 for that fight, um, what would you give yourself and what do you think you could have done better, either mentally heading into that fight or while you were in the cage? No, I, th I thought I did a really good job, man. Uh, it, it's honestly really hard for me to watch that fight and not be a little bit proud of the way that I did things. I think that the make were very minimal. Um, I think that I just need to view these fights more like five individual fights versus one big encompassing fight. I think that that's where I made the biggest mistake because I took my foot off the gas in round three and a little bit in round four because I knew that I was up so big in round two. So um, just, just you know, having the experience and understanding that these things are viewed like five individual fights and not one over-encompassing fight I think is really important and something that I definitely took away from the fight. Well, the one thing that surprised me is if you're assessing a fight based on damage and damage round by round, I know TJ lands a lot of takedowns. The one thing TJ is great at is when he lands a takedown, he's very active and he, he lands a lot of shots. But in terms of just assessing damage, it seemed like you were landing the far more damaging shots. And uh, I think that if you were to be disappointed about anything with that decision, it would be that they didn't take that into consideration as much as maybe they should have. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, something's got to be up if, um, you know, I, I definitely agree with the fact it could have gone 3-2, it could have gone... Three to him could have gone three to me. I will say there is something wrong about feeling like one person walked out of the cage very beat up and the other person walked out of the cage not so beat up. And the person that walked out of the cage very beat up was the winner of the fight. That feels a little bit strange. So, um, yeah, I, I guess uh, it, it was a weird feeling, yeah. I say this time and time again. We need a half-point system. It would solve everything. If, if you can give people mm. nine to, uh, 10 to 9.5 rounds, 10 to 8.5 rounds, I think that you'd see a lot better of, uh, of a result when it came to the scorecards that people would be able to get behind a little bit more. Because, like you mentioned, not, t not all 10-9 rounds are created equal. We saw on the Contender Series in the most recent main event, you saw Renfro taking on Parsons, and uh, Renfro had a, a massive first round and then barely lost the last two rounds. So if you have a, a score like a scoring system that has decimals, and I know that sometimes it's hard for these officials to do math, but there's a thing called the calculator that can really help with that. I feel like it could really change a lot of the outcomes of fights. This is my first time actually ever hearing that idea, and I think that that's actually a really awesome idea. Um, I'm not uh, smart enough to, I think, come up with, you know, the way that I think it should work. Uh, but I definitely, you know, first time hearing that, that's actually a really great idea. A commission in Edmonton, Alberta, actually had implemented that for a time. This was probably about 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, actually. And uh, the first time I heard it, I just, I just thought it was a brilliant idea, and I'd love to see it get implemented more often.
That is brilliant, man. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be like an all or nothing type of thing. And I know we have 10 eights, but maybe just make 10 eights a lot less brighter, you know? Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. We're using a scoring system from a fight that, from a, a sport that has more rounds. So it's like we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And for MMA, I think just over the time that we've watched the sport, it just shows that it's not as effective as it could be. I mean, it's, there's room for improvement. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like I said, man, I think that there is plenty and plenty of room for improvement to make these things, you know, just judged better and more like a fight uh, instead of, you know, the way that we're kind of scoring them now. Uh, I definitely don't have all the answers. I've, like, played with some ideas and stuff, but uh, I have to operate inside of the rules that are now. So that's kind of what I think about I feel like you're doing a good job with that because you do prioritize damage, which is what the uh, the judges prioritize as well. Uh, well, Corey, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. You're one of the more cerebral guys in the sport. I always love picking your brain, and I look forward to doing so next time when hopefully you have a belt wrapped around your waist. Yep, right on, Aaron. Thanks a lot for having me, man. Hamza Shemaev is back after more than a year away from the octagon after smashing his opponents. Three wins in 66 days, 87 to 1 in significant strikes. How does it feel to be back, Hamzat? Feels good. Feels nice. And so excited to fight now. It's a Saturday. Hungry. I can imagine so. Well, how, how have you been feeling? I know that you had some after effects uh, from having COVID-19. How, uh, how long have you been able to train at 100% for? Uh, I started to train like four or five months before. Yeah, was the well, I don't know. I made so many questions about this bullshit corona COVID and this stuff. You know, like I don't know how you answer for you. I, is my world is finished for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm healthy. Now I'm back. Now I'm stronger. Now I'm hungry. You know, I've been before. Like like I said to the guys, and. Uh, now I'm come for smash somebody. Well, this is the longest you've uh, been away from the cage. It's 13 months for you. You were taking fights every two, three months. So are you looking to get back into that kind of activity after this one? Just getting back in there every yeah, month or two? I hope. I hope so. I hope so. If you see, give me this chance again, fight. You know, like every week. Why not? I like make money. It's like good. Like smash somebody. It's so easy. I'm going. Beat some guy and get one one hundred. I don't know how much is that. Like good money. I like that. It's so easy. I did fighting before for out money. Now I fight for money. <laughs> That's the beautiful. That's good. Well, you became a star so quickly in the UFC. Like I said, it was three wins in sixty-six days. It's uh, very hard to do that, and and people were really recognizing you as a as a star. Was it hard for you to to be recognized, to be considered a superstar in the sport? What? What did you say, bro? I was saying I say again? you were you won three fights in sixty six days. Was it hard for you to become such a star yeah. for for people to start knowing all about you and and wanting to know everything that you were doing? I know that's cool. That's true. When people know you and like love you and hate you, that's good. That's cool. And uh, become a friend, make more money. 
So it seems like, like a lot of that is your focus, is to make as much money as you can uh, and, and, try, and try to fight as often as you can. So how many more fights would you like to get in, in 2022? If, if I could say you can have as many fights as you'd like, how many would you like to fight in 2022? How many is possible? Are you able to fight in the United States right now? I know that a lot of people are having issues uh, getting to, the, to and from the United States because of uh, all the issues uh, around COVID. I don't know. I now I'm gonna go home and vaccinated and do vaccine. And uh, if you have vaccine, I hear like you can fight in the USA. I have visa, uh, everything. I've been there. Now finish this guy. Maybe fight in Vegas. Allowed to be there and fight there. Are you going back to Sweden after this, or back to Chechnya? Oh, Sweden. Sweden is my home. So you've been, how long have you lived in Sweden for, for, for your entire uh, professional career? And, and even before that, I know you were training, you were uh, competing in, uh, in wrestling uh, in Sweden. Oh, eight, nine years. I watched the uh, documentary they did of you and your, your friend Bilal. You were uh, going around Sweden and it was, uh, it was fun to see. It seems like uh, you've really uh, enjoyed your time there and uh, enjoy the culture of Sweden. Yeah, that's my home now. What do you think of the two champions of the divisions that you're competing in? And, uh, Kamaru Usman at 170 pounds and uh, Israel Adesanya at 185 pounds. Now this guy is the champs and uh, I don't think somebody can beat 84 Israel. He's good. He's, he's, it's his time now, 84-84. I'm going to take the belt at 170. Then I go up if he's still champ. Maybe hope fight with him too. Where do you want to compete more, at, at 170 pounds or 185 pounds? Now we focus on 170. And is it easy for you to make 170 pounds? You're a very big guy. Yeah, it's easy. I always did that. Uh, I started my career 170 and keep staying there. What can you tell me about your opponent, Yi Jing Lang? I don't know. I see some highlights, something you see post about him. Don't know so much about this guy. I don't want to know. I like, why well, I gonna beat him Saturday and why, why look at him? Just come to the cage. I hope he's come to the cage and fight with me. Yeah, there's some fighters that watch a lot of tape of their opponents and want to learn as much about them. You're just more focused on being the best, Hamza. It doesn't matter to you what your opponent is. Yeah, yeah. For me, it doesn't matter. It maybe like someday, somebody get injured and change opponent. What you wanna? You watch uh, three months some bullshit guy and he don't fight with you, and then some guy jump in and uh, you lose uh, your time. <laughs> Better to focus on yourself and uh, be best, best ham that I can be. Do you still want to face Leon Edwards at some point in time? That was such a big opportunity for you. He's a top three ranked guy at welterweight. You were given that uh, chance and the, the fight kept falling through. Uh, is he somebody you want to face in the future? Of course, of course. I want to beat all the best guys in this weight class. And just don't just take the belt. I will beat everybody in this weight class and then go up and beat the other guys. There were a lot of people, uh, 
there were a lot of people that predicted that by the end of this year, you could be the champion. Obviously, this is your first time competing this year. Is that your hope, is that by the end of 2022, you'll have gotten a shot at the championship? I hope so. I have my plans, but I have his plans. Uh, we'll see. Is it going to be hard to find opponents for you, to, to find people that are going to want to fight you, if, you, if you're able to do the Yi Jing Lang, what you've been able to do to your previous opponents? I respect the Yi Lang take this fight. And uh, guys, everybody remember, like, after my three fights, everyone was like, no, he didn't did so many fights. They they all they always find something to say and uh, not fight, don't fight with me, you know. Now I'm here, I finished this guy. What are they going to say? They have to fight with me. <laughs> I'm coming. Woo! Well, having a ranking next to your name certainly won't hurt. People always want to fight the guys that are ranked. Uh, and one last thing I want to ask you uh, about. Uh, you, you did that documentary, like I said, that I watched uh, of you and uh, you, you and Bilal in Sweden. And you did uh, the interview yeah. talking about Habib uh, and how there was a big misunderstanding. You know, some guy asked you on Instagram, said that Habib wanted to smash you. So you responded, <laughs> you know, the way that you would respond as a fighter. Uh, obviously, that was just some guy. And now you have kind of cleared the air about that. Have you spoken to Habib about that situation? Are you guys good now? I, I never say I, one time I see this guy. We don't know each other. How I can talk to him? He's a good guy. Now is everything. I we didn't have some problems. Like media makes some bullshit problems for people. I don't know. I was home. He was home. I was enjoying. He was enjoying. <laughs> no problem here. Why? If have some problem, I have some problem with him. If he's have some problem, I think he will come to me and. Ask me why something like that. If I have some problem, I'm gonna go to him. Ask, I have like these problems with you. And yeah, we're good. Uh, this good guy, I like him. And yeah. All right, Hamza, Svasiba, Brat, I appreciate you. Uh, best of luck this weekend against Yi Jing Lang, and I hope to speak with you again soon. Hopefully, you're fighting again soon. Thank you. Thank you. I hope to. He is the best, le meilleur, Cedric Dumbay, and he's making a move to mixed martial arts. Not only the UFC in the United Arab Emirates, we also have uh, Super Combat, where you're making your debut. What made you decide to move to mixed martial arts now, Cedric? Uh, because, you know, I've done so many things uh, in kickboxing, and now, um, you know, it's getting, it's getting boring, you know. So I beat everybody, and uh, uh, no organization. Uh, could uh, couldn't find uh, uh, an opponent uh, stronger enough to you know to even afraid me to face me so that's why uh, I want a new challenge I want a new challenge and uh, and I guess MMA is a, is a, is a high level enough to 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 excite excite people. Where are you training now for mixed martial arts? For mixed martial arts, uh, for now for the next fight I'm training in France you know with uh, Media Hotman. Is the best uh, grappler in the friends, uh, but uh, I didn't choose yet a gym, MMA gym, an MMA gym to train there to, for my training camp. Uh, I'm still looking. I've been training in AKA, was good, uh, but now for now, you know, I didn't choose. I still uh, looking for a good gym for me. Are you planning on moving to the United States or, or Canada or something along those lines for your training? Only yeah, only for a training camp, you know, as. Habib used to do, you know, he moved uh, from uh, Dagestan to uh, 
to AKA for the training camp. I, I will do that, but I don't know. I don't know yet where. You know, I don't know if I, I go to AKA, if I go to to Ireland, if I go to Switzerland. I don't know yet. I, I have to figure it out. Well, Canada is also an option. You know, you've got the great Faraz Zahabi. He'll speak French with you. It might might be an idea. Just putting it on your radar because we'd love to have you come up here. Yeah, that, that's right. But uh, I prefer an, an English country. And then I have to improve my English, and then I can trash talk well <laughs> during the press conference. <laughs> well, we're 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 bilingual here. You you'd still get your fix of English uh, up here. But uh, I digress. Uh, let's talk about how the training is going for mixed martial arts. How is your grappling coming along? Uh, very well. I'm improving my uh, my skills, you know, and I like it. I really like it. And when I like something, you know, I I, I get better and better very fast. So um, I like it. Uh, it's not even like I'm just uh, working my wrestling defense or, or something. No, I, I I really train like a wrestler, you know. I really like the grappling, the jiu-jitsu. So I'm improving my skills. I watched the video that Gabriel Varga did, a multiple-time kickboxing champion. He was saying that your striking, in particular, is actually probably better suited to mixed martial arts than it is to kickboxing. Do you agree with that? That he's better for a kickboxer to move into MMA? Yeah, he, well, he, he said that your striking style that you use in kickboxing is actually probably better suited to mixed martial arts. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, that's why, you know, I didn't uh, think uh, too much, you know, to move uh, in, in MMA because... Uh, even my my stance and my my kickboxing is not like it's not a, an orthodox style. It's very unorthodox, you know. So that's why. And he it, it looks like an MMA fighter when even when I fight in kickboxing, it looked like an MMA fighter. So that's why the move wasn't that hard to, for me. Do you know uh, Israel Adesanya? I know he he fought in Glory, and you guys have the same management. I was wondering if you've been able to talk to him about uh, how he kind of made the transition. Although he was sort of doing both at the same time while he was in kickboxing. Well, can you repeat, please? I was wondering if you knew Israel Adesonia, the uh, middleweight champion of the UFC, uh, because he mm. was in glory. I'm sure you guys were probably on the same card at some point in time, and you have the same management. I was wondering if you've uh, spoken to him about moving to mixed martial arts. Uh, not yet. Uh, we, we spoke, uh, but it's, it's been maybe five, six year, or seven years ago. That was in China. We, share, uh, we, we were cutting weight together in sauna, and uh, we were talking. He, he were talking about... Uh, sh shining with uh, glory at that time, so it was long time ago. And uh, but these days, these these years, I I, I didn't talk to him, uh, but I will talk to him again. Well, you actually fought Brad Riddell, who's his training partner and uh, is in the UFC now. Yeah, I know him. I know Brad Riddell very well. Yeah, we fought together um, in China. That was good. He's, he's he's a good guy. He's strong. He got he, he got a very very strong left hand. And uh, but I think I know I, I will not face him again because he's not the same weight class now. Yeah, he's at 155 pounds now. You're so you're going to stay at 170 pounds in mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have to. I can't. I can't go down. <laughs> Did you cut much weight? I know in kickboxing, weight cutting is not really as big of a thing in mixed martial arts. Um, in kickboxing, it's not. Uh, it's not like, like it's not a strong cut weight. You know, like MMA. MMA they cut weight a lot. You know. So, um, and I know uh, uh, guys in uh, 170, they are very, very big. They, you know, they are 90 kilograms uh, when they don't fight. But I, I don't want to cut that weight a lot. You know, I feel very good in, in welterweight. So I will stay in welterweight, even if uh, in the cage they, they will be bigger than me. 
I don't care because you know because I eat harder and I'm faster and I'm smarter. Well, I feel like when you're fighting some of these bigger welterweights, it's going to feel like they're in cement when they're trying to face your speed. It's, they're going to be very, very slow, I would imagine. In your eyes, you're going to be able to uh, be able to predict what they do. I guess it's probably the grappling that's going to be the issue is if they're a lot bigger than you and they get on top, you're going to have to get out of there. Yeah, of course, of course. The, the, the grappling is going to be the, the only solution for them. But I'm training for that, you know, um, and I'm ready for that. You know, I, I, I'm not afraid about the grappling because I... I, I I even know that my striking is is hell of you know better than than their their, their striking. Now in one so year, it's gonna from... be very... oh sorry, go ahead. It's gonna be... I say it's gonna be very difficult for them, you know, to 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 think about something to, to find the solution. In one year from now, where do you see yourself in terms of mixed martial arts? Do you see yourself still training uh, in France or, or sort of still fighting in, in overseas promotions, or do you hope to be in the UFC or Bellator or something like that in a year from now? Uh, in a year from now, I I think I will yeah I will be in the in the UFC, you know, beating everybody and uh, calling uh, the champion out. You think all all of that can happen in one year? I mean, the the MMA world moves kind of slowly. You think that you'll be able to do that? Yeah, I think I will be able to do that in one year. I can beat you know a lot of welterweight uh, guys, and then um, I, I didn't say that I will make the title. I said that I will I will be calling the champ out. You know. I will be able to call him out. Well, I see you've been doing that on Instagram already. You had the UFC video game graphic with yourself and Kamaru. So you already have your eyes on the prize. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. I'm, I'm already focused, you know. And even if I will do my um, MMA debut in, uh, in one week, um, you know, I'm not training for that guy. I'm not training for, the, for, for other guys. I'm training for the, the, the best, you know. I'm training to face the best. So I'm training for Usman. That's why, and if if, if um, Usman lose the title, and then uh, another one uh, become a, um, a UFC champ, I will train for him. You know, my, my my goal is the champ, the belt. That's why I train. I train to beat the best and to get uh, to become the best. Well, I've often said, if you made the move to mixed martial arts, you're going to be a big star in this sport. I watched the video of yourself uh, and Myrtle, the uh, the promo video that you guys did, and it's one of the best promo videos I've ever seen. It's just fantastic, and that fight lived up to the uh, the expectations. Uh, yeah, that was a very very good pro- promotion video uh, made by Teaser Prod, Teaser Prod, and by my manager David Fushiroshu. Uh That was good, you know. I like to do the, those things, you know. I'm also a comedian, and uh, I really like it. For me, it's just entertaining. Is and it's really easy for me. It's very natural for me. So um, yeah, great kickboxing. Also like it. Uh, everybody, everybody like that video. You're like the. Did you see the Netflix show with Gad Elmaleh? That's like what you are when you're coming to mixed martial arts. You're you're big in in France and in Europe in kickboxing, and then you have to come and, and make uh, new fans in North America. Yeah, that's exactly the the what I'm what I'm doing right now. You know, because I know I'm you know I'm the best in kickboxing, and I still got that belt because people. People were, were talking about your former champion. No, I'm not the former champion. I'm the current uh, kickboxing champion of the world. I'm not the former. And uh, I'm looking for, you know, a, a MMA prize, MMA title, world title. So it's kind of, I have to make new fans in MMA uh, uh, discipline because the people doesn't know me in, uh, in the UFC especially. So I really, I, it's, it's going to be easy, you know, when you knock people out, uh, the audience is going to like you. And that's what I will do. 
Yeah, you never lost the Glory Welterweight Championship. Another guy that never lost the Glory Welterweight Championship is uh, Joseph Valtellini. He was inducted into the Glory Hall of Fame this past weekend. And I was wondering if you uh, had any comment on that. Joseph Valtellini, I think he lost against uh, Nicky Holskin. Yeah, that was before he was champion. Then he beat Mark DeBont and became champion and then retired. So he never, uh, oh, okay. he never lost the belt, yes. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I like Joseph Valtellini. Also, I like his style. Uh, I really like his style, and um, you 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 say he, he before he, he got the he, he got the belt. You mean before Nikki? He fought Nikki for the belt, uh, lost that fight, and then Nikki I think uh, vacated the belt because he was injured. And then Joseph fought Mark DeBont and won the belt, and then he had to retire. Mm, because I know that Nikki never never lose uh, in glory before. Well, he lost to you. But yeah, before that, he had never lost in glory. Yeah, but he, he got yeah. injured and had to give up the title. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know that. Oh, thank you for that information. Yeah, I like, so yeah, I like jo- Joseph Vatilini and uh, he likes me also, I think. And uh, he used to, we used to uh, see each other in uh, glory kickboxing. So um, I think now he's, yeah, he's, he's happy for me that I'm moving to MMA and uh, he's going to be, he's going to wish me the best. And then I wanna I wanna be the the, the only guy who who is a kickboxing champion, and then he got a, you know a UFC belt or whatever. Yeah, we'd love to see that as well. Did you watch Glory this past weekend? Did you see uh, the fight between uh, Rico and Ben Sadiq? Yeah, yeah. So I watched the fight. Uh, that was insane. That was a very very good fight. Tell me how hard it is to be somebody like Rico, who can be the heavyweight champion, fighting the biggest, baddest guys for eight years and, and stay the champion. Like, that's pretty unbelievable. But, you, you, you know, Bad Rari almost did it, you know. But almost. When I say that, people say almost, <laughs> almost, because, you know, he got injured. But, you know, for me, Bad Rari beat Rico. Um, Jamal, he almost did it, but I really don't understand what's happened. Because uh, you know, f- for me, he didn't he didn't do a, a good fight, a smart fight, because he he almost got the belt. You know, he Rico was in pocket. You know, he, he, for me, Jama almost won won the fight. But I, I really don't understand what happened. And then he, he got tired. And then I I really don't know. I don't know. For me, uh, it's not that hard to beat Rico because uh, Rico was on top a few years ago. But now it's very for me. It's very not easy, of course, but. It's not that hard to beat Rico, uh, but rally and uh, knock him down three times or, tr- or two times uh, in a fight. Uh, Jamal uh, knock him down, but I, I really don't understand the, the, what's, ha- what's happening. Maybe he's lucky, you know, and uh, that's good for him. Yeah, Jamal had the belt. He, he, was, he had the belt in the palm of his hands and somehow he let yeah, it slip. <laughs> I really don't understand. That fight was crazy. Well, it reminds me of when... Um... Tyson Fury fought Otto Valin, and Tyson Fury's eye got all messed up. Like, Rico's eye was totally messed up, and they just let the fight continue. Of course, of course, they, they let the fight continue. And, you know, he, he really, uh, Jamal really could beat him uh, uh, by using, you know, that opportunity of the, the eyes. But I, I don't understand. Maybe the, mana, maybe, maybe the coaching, I, I really don't understand. But it's easy to talk when you, you're not in, inside the ring. So I, I, I can't say anything because I, I wasn't there. Well, he's also 100 pounds more than you are, so he, he tends yeah. to run out of steam a little bit faster. Also, also yeah. Also. So uh, when would you like to sign with the UFC? You say that you see your future being in the UFC. If it was up to you, uh, how quickly do you think you're going to be there? 
I want to make my first fight in UFC uh, in the same fight card as, as uh, Francis Ngannou and uh, Cyril Gunn. So it's, it's pretty so January. Good. January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I hope. You know, so my management is is doing their best. But if it's not that uh, that card, it's gonna be for sure in uh, 2022. So. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna see Dana White next week in New York. And I'm going to mention to him that they need to sign you. I'm going to, I, what I want to do is send him the link to the promo of you and Myrtle. I sent it to my senior producer at, at TSN, and he said, this guy's my new favorite fighter. I've never even seen him fight. <laughs> so it's, I, I, I just think that any promotion that signs you in mixed martial arts has a star on their hands. I just think you have that kind of uh, quality. You're, you're funny. You've, you're outgoing. You like to talk trash. And you also back it up inside, I guess, the ring. But now I it's going to be in the cage. That, that's the most... That's the most important. I also back it up. That, that's the, because everybody can talk. But if you don't back it up, it's, uh, it's nothing. Uh, we look forward to seeing it. It's November 1st, Super Combat, your first ever mixed martial arts fight. 40-plus uh, knock- knockouts in uh, kickboxing. Going to bring that power to mixed martial arts, and we look forward to seeing it. He is the best. Le meilleur, Cedric Dumbay. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you very much. She is the quote, the greatest woman of all time. I'm saying it quietly because my wife's upstairs. I don't want her to think that I'm calling you the greatest woman of all time. I think she's the greatest woman of all time in my life, but facts are facts. 12-time world boxing champion and now 1-0 in, in uh, the world of MMA. What was that experience like? The difference between winning a fight like that in mixed martial arts versus winning a boxing match, something that you've done for, for so many years. I mean, it, I mean, honestly, it was very, very nerve-wracking. It was on a huge stage. It was my first MMA fight. I can say that I felt like my mind was racing a little bit, and I was thinking about, like, what is she going to do? Is she going to go for takedown? Is she going to kick me? Like, what's her game plan? And I wanted to figure out her game plan, and uh, that's what kind of insisted on me, like, kind of waiting around and looking a little bit. But I did try to land some hard shots. The first round, I was able to get up after being taken down, and making the mistake of jumping back on her to where she can flip me over, but just minor mistakes. And then I kind of felt like I got better and better and more confident in what I could do in MMA as the rounds went on. And that's what started with the, you know, that's what caused the knockout in the third round for her. I mean, for me to knock her out. But I'll say uh, it kind of felt like winning another Olympic gold medal, to be honest. <laughs> can you elaborate on that? Why, why was that uh, as big of a deal for you? I mean, it's just in, in MMA is so many ways to lose. And it was like all the ways to lose were stacked against me. And I still came out on top. And, you know, I just feel like it was so many ways for me to lose. And I still came out on top. That's why I'm like, this, uh, this is so great. And I had to fight some adversity. I had to, you know, get up. And I had to really dig deep in that last round and get the knockout. And it was a different kind of experience. Really. Yeah, I can imagine that when you fought for the gold medal, you know, boxing for you is muscle memory at this point in time. You know what you're going to face in the ring. In terms of mixed martial arts, you're still pretty early in your development, pretty much embryonic, uh, embryonic stage. So you weren't exactly sure what you were going to face. So to be able to overcome that must feel that much better for you. Yeah, for sure. And I, I knew I would be taken down. I knew that she would go for takedown. I knew she would try to kick me. But it still was like, even though she's going to do all that, in my mind, I'm like, this girl cannot outfight me. And that's what we're here to do. Like, we're not here to do jujitsu or we're not here to wrestle. We're here to actually fight. And that just involved these, you know, it, it, it involved these arts. But it was like, punching is one of the biggest things in MMA that I feel 
fighters need to have. And when I knew I landed that one punch, she went from being a brown belt to a white belt real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're always going to have that game-changing power, but the big difference between going from wrestling or judo or any of the grappling arts to mixed martial arts versus uh, the striking game is, again, it's muscle memory. When it comes to grappling, that's second nature for them, and the striking they're not going to be quite as good at. But with you, you're a master of striking, but when it starts getting into the grappling, again, I I think that you're still so early in your development of mixed martial arts that you really have to solve that puzzle, and I think that's probably gratifying. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I spent six months in a bad Jackson wing getting ready for my MMA fight. And then, you know, now to be getting inside the cage again, nine months, you know, other fighters, you know, waited, trained MMA three years before they jumped inside the cage. And it's like me, I did six months coming from a boxing background and I have to fight against these different, you know, these different kind of people who are black belts, brown belts and jujitsu and stuff like that and wrestling and ground games. So it's like striker versus, you know, jujitsu and, and, and it makes those good fights. But even though it's pretty early on in my career, I'm actually confident on being on the ground. I know what I'm doing. I know how not, how not to get submitted. I know how to protect myself. And I just know how to fight. I, I, really, I really know how to fight, honestly. <laughs> well, the PFL, I've got to hand it to them because they're not giving you really easy stylistic matchups. I've watched uh, your... Next opponent, Abigail Montez, and uh, in her last fight, I mean, she wasn't fighting the gloat, believe me. I, that opponent didn't look like she's uh, up to the standard of a Clarissa Shields, but she used her takedowns and her ground and pound and, and really did a good job of executing that. They're not giving you people that just want to stand and strike with you. They're, they're really trying to challenge you. Yep. Yeah, agreed. But that's where I go to the gym and I get ready with my team and I prepare. And it's like, really, it's an even matchup but I've made it uneven because of the training and extra time that I've put in on certain things. So you would have, you know, when, 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 when they booked this fight, you know, back August 27th, you know, and I had, you know, I think three weeks to get ready for it. It was just like, okay, this is what I know now, but it's like, as the weeks go on, I learn more, I get better, I get more experience and things that I had a problem with, I don't have a problem with now. So it makes the fight be a little bit, you know, easier than uh, than it would have been if I hadn't prepared, I guess. Well, I watched a video on your YouTube channel of you breaking down your first fight, where you were showing the different areas where you hadn't had the opportunity yet to learn how to escape from those situations previously. And now, of course, you've drilled them. But I imagine, again, with somebody like yourself who has the championship mentality, the Olympic mentality, you're learning at a much faster rate than other people that are, again, at your stage of mixed martial arts. Agree, agree. I am sparring against Holly Holm, Arlene Blanco. These girls have been in MMA for plus years, you know, five, six, seven, eight plus years. And I'm able to get inside the cage with them and, you know, be able to stand, you know what I mean? With me only knowing, you know, nine months of jujitsu and, you know, wrestling and having my boxing background, I really do get in there and just do my best. And I'm, and I'm really a good you know, working spawn partner for them when they're good working spawn partners. Me, like they learn from me, I learn from them. But it's like with only nine months, I don't think no other woman could even dare get in the ring with Holly Holm, dare get in the ring with Arlene Blanco. Because those girls are strong, they're fast, they're experienced, and they're just tough. You know what I mean? And so it's actually a plus for me, but it's also a plus for them too because I have such good striking. But they have, you know, good everything else. <laughs> 
there must be days where they absolutely wreck you in the gym. I'm not saying that because of, of <laughs> you know, for, to insult you or anything like that. But I, I'm saying that because a good championship mentality fighter will want that, will want to have moments of turbulence and, and being having their backs up against the wall in order to fight out of that or try to fight out of that and learn from those experiences. Is that correct? It's definitely challenging, but I don't get my, I don't get like destroyed by anybody. I just have too much heart for that. You know, I try to make every sparring session be like, it's like, it's a fight, you know? And even though they, they got the experience and everything, I'm like, um, they may win the sparring session, but it's like, I fucking come to, to have a war. So they're like super prepared on their P's and Q's and they're we sparring stuff. And it's kind of great because we can hug it out after. And then they're like, girl, you hit with a good shot or you did good in the clinch or you, you know, just, you know, just telling me like, feel confident in this, feel confident on the ground, feel confident on the cage. Like you got it, you got it. And you know, um, just speaking from an MMA standpoint, Holly Holm is great enough to stand up with the best of them. Right. And it's like, even with her, you know, she still is like, fuck that. I'm not standing up with you. Take down. <laughs> so it's like, it just keeps me thinking. Also, she just, a, she's a great striker too. So you have that there where, you know, I feel like I'm a better striker, but she's such a great striker. And she's also a great striker with her kicks and she's great on the ground and she's great on the cage. And so, you know, for her, you know, when she uses all that against me, it just makes me better. But those girls are, man, are super tough and it's challenging whenever I spar against them, whenever. Well, we've seen Holly win fights using just her grappling, where she takes down her opponent, holds her down, and, and dominates mm -hmm. her in that fashion. Are we going to see that from you one day, in your opinion? Like, do you think that one day you are going to be at a level where you want to just take your opponent down and you can control them on the ground? Whatever my coaches want me to do. Whatever you got to do for the win. I'm not ever going to go on a fight like, oh, I'm going to take this girl down and just hold her down just to show off my skills. It's like, I want to get in there and I want to fight. So, yeah, I want to take you down. Yeah, I want to beat you up on the ground. Yeah, I want to ground and pound you. Yeah, I want to stand up and piece you up. But I'm not there to hold anybody down. Like, I'm there to, like, seek and destroy. What's your favorite submission that you've executed in a sparring session? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually know, like, I do, like, a triangle to iron, but I know a few of those things, the rear naked choke, stuff of that nature. But I think I got the rear naked choke one time. So it's still a, that part of your so game. I wouldn't is still say it's like my progress. favorite, though. I, yeah, it's still a record practice, but I, I definitely like to throw the punches and know how to get to those positions. But I'm more of like want to beat people up and make them quit than choke them out and stuff. So I spoke to Julia Budd, who just got signed by the PFL uh, recently, and we spoke last week. Uh, she's the longest Julia reigning Budd. female champion in, in Bellator history. Um, I asked her about you, and, and uh, she mentioned that she doesn't think you're going to be in the tournament next year. Has that been determined as of yet? Um, it hasn't been determined of, of yet. Um, but I think 2023 is the golden year for, you know, for me, I know that she's highly accomplished and everything. So maybe she'll be in the next year. I think, I believe so. But I think 2023 for me is the, is the year, but it depends on what my, what my coaches feel. What Not percent really chance? Oh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off there. What percent chance do you think there is that, uh, Kayla Harrison stays in the PFL? I mean, I would say percent chance. What did you say? Ten percent chance? She stays in the PFL. Sorry, your your camera was cutting out on me. What did you say that you think ten percent chance? No, one hundred. 
Oh, you think she's th- you think she's going to stay in the PFL? Because it seems like uh, all signs are pointing to her going to the UFC. Mm, yeah, but UFC don't have her weight class. Yeah, I, she would have to cut down to 145 pounds, and I mean, even that weight class is uh, it's kind of a barren wasteland in the UFC. They don't have a lot of fighters in the higher weight classes. I believe that the PFL is doing a great job of building up the 155 roster. You know, signing myself and signing Julia Budd and having Kayla Harrison. You know, I think that um, I don't think ever in the sport of MMA or boxing have you had, you know, people that are two-time Olympic gold medalists fight against each other. And the one time it can happen is, is myself versus Kayla, you know. So I think that that's a storyline, like, in it in itself. And, you know, striker versus, you know, judo and, you know, jujitsu. Or whatever. So it's really a, it's really a good storyline. But um, she, she she may want to go to the UFC. You know, she may want to go there. But I feel like just that 145 or 150. She's fought 155 so many times that having to get to 45 may be a little challenging. But, hey, she got the skills and stuff to do it. So time to tell. Do you feel like it's destiny that you're going to face her at some point in time? I don't know. I mean, I think with us both being with the PFL and, you know, me being signed and she's still with the PFL now and we're in commercials together and everything like that, I feel like uh, it's possible to happen. But I know we both have our own journeys, too. You know, she's been in MMA way, uh, way longer than me. So she may want to go and uh, test herself against the girls in the, you know, UFC or even Bellator. I feel like this is kind of a yearbook question, but where do you see yourself in five years in terms of MMA? Oh, that's, that's funny. Um, I'm 26, so I'll be 31. I see myself being maybe like a purple or blue belt in jiu-jitsu. I see, um, I just know I'm be like very well established in my kickboxing. I'm kind of well established in that now. Um, I'll definitely have already competed in the PFL tournament. I'll be a millionaire. I'll be a millionaire next year, actually. So whatever. Cool. Thank God for that. one. And I'll have a kid at 29. So maybe after I have my kid, I'll wait a minute and then come back and fight at and fight again at the age 30 or 31. But I'm having my child at 29 years old. That's the timeline for it. You mentioned next year you're going to be a millionaire. Um, is a lot of that attributed to how much you're going to get paid in MMA? Like, what, what's the difference between what you get paid in MMA versus what you get paid to headline a boxing event? Um, I can say MMA purses aren't more right now. But, I mean, it's also the beginning of my career. So I have, I have to compare the beginning of my career versus the beginning of my boxing career. Um, I would say I made double more than what I made in boxing and MMA for just my first fight, which I made a lot of money for both of those fights. So, you know, about 50 G's on one side and then double on the MMA side plus sponsorships, endorsements, and things of that nature. So I think MMA um, has been more lucrative since if we're just looking at that, but 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 the purses are still not more than my boxing purses right now. My boxing purses right now are pretty high, but in MMA I'm still like I'm still working my way up. But it's but it's a great start. I can say that. 
if you were doing like an autograph signing or something and a 10-year-old girl came up to you and said, wow, with the gold Clarissa Shields, I want to be just like you, uh, what should I do? Should I go into boxing or mixed martial arts? Where, where can I have a better career uh, financially? What would you tell them? Oh, wait, financially? I would say MMA. Yeah, if, 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 I, if I had to tell like a young girl to, you know, which one can be more beneficial for her as far as in having like a lot of money, having a great, you know, career and being back, I would say to go to MMA, you know, especially if she's 10 years old. She got so much time to build herself up and be great. I'll just tell her what to do, like jiu-jitsu, wrestling. I'd tell her to go to all that stuff. But um, if I wasn't a two-time Olympic gold medalist, me and you probably wouldn't be talking right now. Because in boxing, you really have to work your way up from the bottom um, in boxing. And, I mean, I, I I put myself on a worldwide stage, and I've been able to come out on top, not just once, but twice. So that puts me a level above a lot of women, and that's why I can say I'm a 12-time world champ, you know, within 11 fights. And final question for you. Uh, coach Mike Winklejohn, uh, your, your coach, was on – the MMA Hour with Ariel Helwani had mentioned that uh, John Jones is no longer welcome in the gym. Now, John is still training with a lot of different coaches from uh, Jackson Wink. And I know you were doing a lot of work with John Jones. Um, are you doing uh, work with him outside of the gym now? Uh, what's that situation like? Um, John Bones has a lot going on or whatever. So um, I still, you know, talk to him here and there. But I haven't, I haven't been able to get any training sessions in with him. He's getting ready for I believe his return and um you know he got and he got life stuff going on so uh maybe maybe next camp but we spent a lot of time drilling together in my in my first camp so he's a supporter and i wish him all the best in you know everything he has going on all right thanks clarissa really appreciate your time it's next wednesday at the pfl uh event that is their uh cha their championship event with all of the different tournaments coming to a close you are going to be fighting on the event against Abigail Montez, and we look forward to, uh, to watching you in there once more. Yep, thank you. A huge thank you to all of our guests, UFC President Dana White, Jan Boahovic, Glover Teixeira, Piotr Jan, Corey Sandhagen, Hamza Shemaev, Cedric Dumbe, and Clarissa Shields. What a show. Thanks for sticking around and uh, listening until the end. Really appreciate it. A couple housekeeping notes, uh, myself and Bazooka Joe will be doing our podcast, uh, in, I believe, probably tomorrow, so look out for that. I now have something called a review on Twitter, so if you follow me on Twitter, you can subscribe. Uh, just go to my profile page, and you, you can subscribe. It gets all of, your, all of the interviews that I've done in one place for you to check out, TSN Edge Picks, some news and notes, and even a music recommendation, so you can check that out as well on the weekly review newsletter that gets sent out. You can go to tsn.ca slash UFC for all of our UFC coverage over at TSN. And uh, next week, hoping to be in New York City for UFC 268. Back on the road for the first time since March of 2020. I can't wait. I've been doing all these remote interviews for more than a year and a half. I'm look forward, looking forward to getting my FaceTime back. And I'm not talking about the Apple uh, application. I'm talking about just being face-to-face -face with all of these great athletes once more and seeing a lot of my colleagues in person Really looking forward to that, so you can check out my coverage on TSN's website as well as, of course, social media and wherever you find my, uh, my content, Instagram as well. So we will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.